AM Caffeine Show. AM Caffeine Show is your boy DOC. DJ Q Nice on the ones and twos. Q Nice, nice to have you two weeks in a row, dear homeboy. <laughs> well, actually, two shows in a row. I don't want to give you two shows. See how you do? But he did work last week very hard to he keep his sweating. position right because he's been fired and he's trying to get back in, in, in the good graces of the crew. So right, shout right, out right. to Q Nice for uh, coming back uh, for this special Wednesday show. I think he came for the free food too. Um, Delicious. DJ Young Free, the official, unofficial crew of the AM Caffeine Show. What's up? And of course, Kitty Kaboom is in the building. <laughs> Today on this um, Way Back Wednesday, what we do on Wednesdays, we we try to highlight um, certain people that, you know, I feel that have contributed to the culture, not just of hip hop, but just the music culture uh, in a whole um, last week we had Let me shout out my boy R.L. From the R&B group Next Was a really dope Very interview good. So shout out to R.L. All right. But today The guest that I have today I've been trying to get this guy on At least a half a year Without exaggeration When I I grew up in L.A. From L.A. And um, Growing up in, in L.A. And growing up in the hip hop culture and And There were certain Artists, there were certain record labels that when you you heard the label, it it kind of defined where you were from. Like when you heard Def Jam, you you just knew Def Jam was very New York, New York, New York right? York. So, yeah, when I mean, you saw that logo, you knew that. what Def Jam was. For me, it was you know it was Def Jam, it was uh, Cold Chilling, um, Profile Records, Sugar Hill, Tommy Boy, Sugar Hill. When you saw that light blue. Uh, 12 inch uh, cover You knew what Sugar Hill was And that to me was so New York Being from LA There were a couple labels that did the same thing Ruthless Records When you saw Ruthless right Ruthless spoke for Mm. LA Right Mm -hmm. But there was another label Which I thought this label's logo was off the hook Delicious Vinyl Yeah So to me, it was just so L.A., not realizing that it was just as big as Def Jam, like, across the world. But it was it was my backyard, so right, right. it was special to me. The person that I have today, man, is the, the founder, the creator, him and his brother. Wow. Delicious Vinyl Records. Just, I think, I don't even think folks really... Give it the 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 due the that it, that it the deserves. credit that it deserves. I agree. Um, the one and only Mike Ross is in the damn building. Mike Ross and his brother. Wait, let me let me correct you. Oh, 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 please, 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 please do. So, delicious vinyl was started by me and my partner Matt Dyke. By Matt, you're right. You're right, Matt okay. Dyke. My right, brother. It came was, in later on. Yeah, he, oh. he came in to help okay. run, run the ship. <laughs> right, once it, once it took off, once it yeah, kind of yeah. was up and running. Yeah, I gave him way too much credit. Sorry, yeah. brother. But you know, he's done his job. He, he, did. Held, <laughs> he held his own. Right, Matt. Where's Matt Dyke now? Matt's still in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, you know, Matt's been uh, he's been doing his own thing for okay. a little while. Got but, you. Um. um I like the fact that it's a double entendre. It probably went over your head, but yeah, I picked up on that early on when I first saw the logo and the whole bite. It it threw me for a loop. And me being a smart person, I knew that it meant more than one thing. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mike Ross, what's up? Delicious vinyl, 1987. That's when we started. Yeah. When you started. Yep. Wow. I think that's when Ruthless started too. Really? Yeah. Um, they were at McCola Records right down McCola, the street. McCola, wow. Yeah. McCola. Before, before they went over to Priority. Um, what was the, what was the, what was what made you want to start Delicious Vinyl? Well, um, I was a, I was a DJ. Okay. Me and Matt, my partner, was also a DJ. We were two white guys that were really into hip hop, right? R and B and funk. And uh, you know this was in '81. I got my I got my first 1200s. '81. Uh huh. '81. Newmark mixer. 
And I just started killing it. Want to be starting something. 12 inch doubles. Go, wow. <laughs> That's how I started my mixing career. Just like nice. getting the feel. How'd you get book. involved in just that? What, what did your parents listen to? Um, my parents listened to a lot of music. My mom was more of a rock and roller. She loved the Beatles, the Stones. My dad was into some cool shit. He was into jazz. Okay. He's into, you know, he's also into Frank Sinatra. He's into Sergio Mendes in Brazil. So okay, nice. okay. So he's very eclectic and liked a he lot of different things. He turned me on to Earth, Wind & Fire. My dad was playing, played like, like all in all. Like he had that record. Okay. And, uh... As a kid, I, I liked I liked a lot of music. I liked all kinds of music, but I was always leaning, you know, Michael, you know. The, I mean, I everybody. The Jackson so, Five and, you know. who introduced you to rap? I mean, I grew up in Long Beach. Okay. So I went to high school in Long Beach. Um, a lot of, so I uh, went to Milligan High School in Long Beach. So oh. I got hip to, <laughs> so I got hip to a lot of cool in the 70s. Right. Ohio Players was always playing in the gym. Skin tight. Fire. Um, skin tight. Skin tight. joint. Ridiculous. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, we ripped that off. But, right. um, <laughs> but just funk, soul, I was always into it. Michael, really, you know, from way back, and Stevie, when I was a kid, you know, he stepped 45s, living for the city, 45. Right. Jackson 5, the cartoon, the whole nine. Right. Michael kind of had me dazzled as a young kid. I think all of me, definitely me too. But I was just always into the funk and soul. You uh-huh. know, that was just my shit. Right, right. So obviously, 79, I'm still in high school. Rapper's Delight, obviously. Change, hey, Rapper's and, Delight changed my life. It changed a lot of people's life. You know, that wasn't probably the first thing. It was probably the first type of record like that. I had to memorize it right away. Right, right. The long version and the and short, the short version. version. Right. I got it quick. Because the quicker you got it, the cooler you were. Right, and right. Then, you know, so you're right. spitting that to the chicks and they're like, thinking, you're fly as hell. And when your mama walks in, you knew that you had to pick a version because you didn't want to get into it. Well, for me, anyway. So that combined with just being into music, you know, hip-hop and R&B and funk and soul in the late 70s, early 80s. I was really into disco, you know. McFadden and Whitehead and fucking, you know, obviously Casey's Sunshine Band. Right. You know, all the Blondie. shit. Right. Blondie. I mean, Fab Five Freddy. You know, uh, it was all coming together in the 80s, early 80s. I'm, you know, I'm in high school. It just started to take over my life, you uh-huh. know, like I really had a feel for it. I loved it. And were you hanging out guys, with black folks? Were you, you had some of the homies well, or you just had some white yeah, dudes that were cool too? No, there wasn't a lot of cool white guys. Right. So I would... <laughs> I would be hanging out. Well, when I went, to, I went to UCLA and I started throwing parties and DJing the parties. And I used to bring in. Well, that's when I got into record pool. I got in Impact record Impact pool. Impact record pool, right? Which is LAPD before it was Impact. And uh, that's where I met my partner Matt. We were the only two white guys in that pool. But so Tracy, it, at that know, point, Tracy Kendrick. So it was and Tracy Foot. and Foot. Yeah, of course. Uh huh. And uh, so I started. That's when I started DJing. I just, you know. I had I would throw these parties and I'd have guys from the record pool bring my speakers. So they'd bring these big Sirwin Vegas. My friend Doug Brooks, who I don't know if you know Doug no, Brooks. I don't know, not familiar with Doug. He had the big Sirwin Vegas. He used to do with Uncle Jam's Army. So he'd bring the speakers wow. to these gigs. And then sometimes they would DJ. And I started, first there was like a live band I had play. And then all of a sudden they were DJing. And so I started hanging out with those guys. Okay. So they, and I started getting gigs. And they kind of taught me how to mix. And I was always hanging out. He lived on like Cadillac and La Cienega in those mm. apartments. I used to go up into his apartment. My friend Don Vito the Leo, this dope DJ that we became buddies. I used, that's where I practiced. That's where I learned. La how to Cienega DJ. and Cadillac. I lived yeah. on a street called Garth, right, right there in La Cienega and Cadillac, right, right by Kaiser. So this is 1980, yes. 81. I'm going to school at UCLA and I'm hanging out with these cats. Okay. And that's what you I'm was going in a hood because over there back yeah. then was kind of hoodish. It was PBG, yeah, 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 Playboy yeah. Gangster Crips. Yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't know a lot the, about the game. Shout out yeah. to the Crips, though. Yeah, it was definitely. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> one of problems. It wasn't Westwood. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. It West. wasn't Westwood, right? Yeah. Right. But that's where I kind of got my chops. I used to go to gigs with them, and I used to have them come and bring my the speakers and the turntables for when I started DJing. So then it just accumulated from there. I started collecting records. I was already, you know, really into funk and soul, so that was kind of my. Sh- Mm-hmm. Right. I started playing and I started getting the dope records from New York, you know, because <laughs> those record pools, you're getting all the freshest. Right. From Select and Profile and, you know, then 
83, here comes Run DMC, Hard Times. Hey. Right, right. It's a wrap from there. Right, right, right. right. That's it. So I was in from that point on. So long. now, you, 83, you're in. You, you're entrenched in just the music and the culture. So yeah. how does it go from you being a DJ, loving the music, to decide, you know, I want to put music out myself? Well, I thought I was pretty good. And as I was, a, I was you thought you were pretty good as a DJ. Yeah, I was. Were you when you look back? Yes, I was. Okay. I mean, and I, song selection. I always felt like I could rock a party because I used to see these DJs back in the day, and all the girls were obviously like going crazy for the DJs, and I was like, Man, I can, I can, DJ I could do better. that. I can rock this party like that. So that also kind of brought me into the game. Right. Like, wanna, That's kind of your wanna... report card, right? If you can rock the party, then you know that you're on yes. to the next. and you know, girls are, you know. Right, I get, I get it, I get it, I get it. I get it. So I think I was with my a girl, my a girl I was really into, and she was like transfixed on the DJ because she was a dope white girl. Uh -huh. like, so she knew what time it was. So we would go to these clubs <laughs> and we would hang out. And she started giving these DJs dap, and I was like, man, I better... I better, I better set my I game up. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was partly that confidence and just being into music. And then I met a dude who was very much into the same kind of music with me even more. He was rocking parties in Hollywood. This, party, this club called the Rhythm Lounge, which was... I don't know if you ever went to the Rhythm Lounge, but... Back in the day, that was the spot. Tony Basil used to come there with dancers and Boogaloo Shrimp and all the old all, all the G's. Yes. Ice T used to rap there. Yes. Chris yes. Glove Taylor used to DJ there. Shout out Glove! Wow. And my friend Matt was the main DJ there. Okay. White dude. Okay. Funky as shit. Rocking it. Like damn, this dude is like he's, he's like, like me. He's like me on steroids. Right. Right. Plus he's rocking these cool Hollywood parties. Right. And all the cool people are there. So we became pretty much best friends at that point. Okay. Like, I got to be hanging out with this dude. Right, <laughs> right. I'm out in Westwood. I'm out in Westwood. He's you know, in Hollywood. And nobody, you know, I'm playing records that a lot of people don't know. It's, you know, Westwood is, it's UCLA. It's, it's Westwood. It's, so <laughs> I became known as someone who would be playing like the jams, but, you know, it was kind of whitewashed. Right, you know? uh-huh. And all of a sudden, hip-hop's starting to take off. You know, this is 82, 80, 82, and Rhythm Lounge was the spot, like right. the underground spot. So you started plugging friend. in the ones that you so got. So then that just the became it. I wasn't going to go to be a lawyer. Right. <laughs> I, was just, I played out the string at UCLA and just started DJing and playing music and just, you know, just being about that. Right. Because that's what I was into. And it's like, man, I'm just going to follow this. My dad was in the, the garment business. He wanted to take me into that business. I was like, You're like man, I'm, I'm not going gonna, this way. Right. I'm going to sew a machine. You're not happy doing that. <laughs> right. I want to at least try and be happy. And do yeah. what I love, huh. and you know, and how and, and were supportive. They were supportive with it. They had no idea probably what I was up to, but right. they, they were supportive. Right. So I was lucky like that, and uh, so you know, this is eighty four, eighty five. Def Jam. You're starting to see indie labels making it on, the, on in New York. I started going to New York. I started going to New Music Seminar. Yeah. 82, 83. Right. Right. Um, you know. I saw Dougie for the first time, I think, at the New Music Seminar in 84. Performance was like one of the most amazing performances seen, ever. Right. I saw Melly Mel uh, lose to, I forgot who that guy was, and he got in a what? fight. They were having, they used to have a battle, MC battles. Yeah. Melly Mel, you know, you know Melly Mel. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He yeah. was the man Dominated. at that time. He also thought he was the man, and right. he didn't think there was anybody that could beat him, and if they did, he'd try and kick their ass. Right, anyway. right. <laughs> I'm going to beat you one way or another. Yeah, like uh -huh. he lost, but he wouldn't give up the belt. <laughs> this is like 83. <laughs> that was dope. DMC played, you know, underground shows back then. Nice. So I was going to New York and started to get, I was just like, this, I'm just, I had to follow that right. situation. Right. And I was DJing anyways, and I was already in a record pool. So I was just trying to learn more about it. Obviously, hip hop was really happening on the East Coast at right, that time. Right, right, right. I mean, it was all going down. It's like the second wave was just starting, you know? The golden era kind of was just beginning. Right. So you got Run DMC, and then all of a sudden, Eric B. and, you know, Rakim bust right. on the scene, and it's like, holy Right. <laughs> um, this was like 85, 86, so there's Zakia Records, there's Profile, there's Def Rick Rubin and Def Jam right. doing their thing. And me and Matt were DJing a lot, doing parties. He started this club called Power Tools, which is a big, influential club, doing big things in Hollywood and I used to DJ there with him and I just I started working at MCA Records as an intern for who? Lowell Silas for Lowell Silas wow rest in peace yes rest in, rest in peace Lowell 
He didn't want to hear from me. Right. He just thought, who the hell is this? Who's this white kid? Right. He just wouldn't give me any shine at right. all. And, I, and Lowell didn't know shit about rap. Right. And I was trying, like, I remember getting, I was listening to tapes in their A&R department. Because I knew Irving Azoff through a friend of my family. So to get the gig, I had to go into his office and say, yo, I'm a. I'm a I, I'm, I know the Azoff? Yeah. It's the real Irving. Right. He, he was running MCA at the time. Okay. And I had a family friend that knew him, so I got an interview with him, and then he threw me over to Gerald Busby, and Gerald Busby at least knew I knew what the hell I was talking about, so he threw me in the yeah, A&R department listening to tapes. Got you. I kind of wanted to see what labels, a major label was doing. Right. I definitely had my ideas on doing Trying something, to do your especially own thing. seeing these indie labels starting to pop off. Right, and and at that time, MCA was really on, definitely R&B. MCA, there was yeah, no, new edition, no edition, ready for the world. Right, right, uh, right. Gladys right. Knight and the Pips. Right. <laughs> I'd see Legends walk in there, which was really dope, you know, because right. I was a big fan. Right. Save the overtime for me. Right. Hey, was dope, that. And they had breakdancers yes. in there. They had breakers Actually, in, that, in that video. That, that was yes. one of the first videos ever had a breakdance. Yes. The dope video. Yes, definitely was. Um... So, long story short, I'm kind of sussing out what's going on there. I got a Sir Mix-a-Lot tape. I was trying to turn Lowell into he didn't want to hear it. I used to try and go in the studio with him, and he'd just make me sit in the corner. He was, like, remixing. He was really playing you out. He was. But I was persistent. Right. And he kind of, because I was in the record pool, so he couldn't completely front on me, but he wasn't listening to me. And he was all full of, you know, he had that going on there. Right, right. It was popping. And he was Mr. Ready for the World doing those remixes. Right, And, uh... They weren't getting into hip hop, so I just had to bail at a certain point and try and do this thing on my own. So I guess I'm just giving you the chronological. Yes, thing. yes, I love it. I so love it. this is like this is '85. So me and Matt started messing around. Uh, we had a little makeshift studio at the time. I mean, we had a four-track Tascam. We didn't right. yet. Right. I got a drum machine. I got this Tom sequential drum machine that was kind of an influential drum machine. Back in the day, you couldn't uh-huh. even save beats on it. But we started playing around with that, just kind of copying other like producers that were making beats. Like at this time, like um, Nick Martinelli was working with my girl Jane Eugene, uh, hanging on a string, loose ends. Loose ends, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So they were doing like a super cool soul thing in England, and Nick Martinelli was his dope mm-hmm. producer making killer beats with 808, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. You know, just kind of listening and right. really like, you know, we weren't ready to make records yet. We were DJing, but all of a sudden the SB12 uh-huh. came out, the sampler. They were the sample. And that, you know, that changed the game for everybody. And right. At that point, you could kind of start messing around sampling records that you like and figuring out how to kind of put records together. Right. And we just said, fuck it, man. You know, we're getting all these 12 inches and a lot of it's whack. Let's, let's, let's try and do this. So, I mean, I'm cutting. No, absolutely. Steps, yeah. But yeah. the whole idea was. Let's let's try and do this thing ourselves. Def Jam was obviously the blueprint profile. I'd been to New York a bunch. I, I talked to those guys a little bit, but you know, you saw what they were doing. Right. But why can't we try this? Right. And that's really, we just said, you know, we started messing around with beats. I met Greg Jesse, who was who was at the Impact Record Pool. I was looking for an MC to rap on this beat we had. Right. Greg Jesse goes, I have a cousin who raps. And he gave me his number, and that was Anthony Smith, a.k.a. Tone Loke. Tone Loke. Oh, I, I, right. I called Gotta Tone Loke, just cold called him. Your uh, your cousin gave me your number. Oh, I'm looking for a rapper. And he's like, you know, his voice was incredible. Like, right. Yo, what's up? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Like, we were really into Rakim and that kind of new that style. That kind of, fun, right. And Tone had this voice that was ridiculous. That I, go, I don't know if you can rap, but you sound dope. Right. <laughs> and... So we took him to the studio and we started messing around with him on some beats that we were putting. That was not the first record we put together. Right. This record on fire, which was um, um, that was the first record we worked on him with him on. We just started uh, just working together. Working, yeah. Um. And, uh, when, when, so when you first met him and you going to so was he? With it being rap, was super what, what, cool. He was not tripping like all right, these some not white yet. guys trying to do some rap well, music. I don't think anybody was really. F- with tone, you know right? What I mean? So it's like anybody that's paying attention, right. he's rolling. I mean, I gave him a good story when I hit him on the phone. I said, "Look, I'm looking for some of your voice. Sounds incredible." He, you know, we talked for a minute. I said, "You know, me and my partner, we got some music. You know, I'd like to, you know, bring you into our little studio and you know, see what you got." Right. I went and picked him up. He was on Olympic in Fairfax, and 
I started picking them up almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Tom were thick as thieves. And uh, we just started working it out in our little studio on Santa Monica. Started with a four track, then an eight track. Tone would just write rhymes over some beats we were giving him. This first record was this record called On Fire. Um, I don't know if you... It was uh, You Got the Love, um, Rufus Chaka Khan. Oh, you sample that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the B-side was the song Chiba Chiba. I, yeah, remember I, mean, I Chiba absolutely Chiba. remember Chiba Chiba. Maybe Your Baby, Stevie Wonder. Yes. And that was just a... Tone loves smoke weed, so... You know, I'd always pick him up and have and least, that's what a, it would at least be. a quarter ounce on me. <laughs> he had to have weed to do anything. Right. Which, you know, I respected that. Right. You know, right. I know what's up with that. Uh, and, you know, Tone was just a cool motherfucker. Right. Know, it's not like he was at home writing rhymes all day. He didn't have a pad full of rhymes like you hear. Tone would come in the studio and write. Right. Basically, he'd hear like he heard this groove. And just write. And not quickly. Right. But that voice was a motherfucker. And this was the first record right here. This is it. So this is the first one that you put first out. Twelve inch. First twelve inch you put out. I'm fire. So this is the beat that you and Mike did. Matt, and Matt, Matt, Matt did. Matt put the, the the basic tracks together of this. This this was just a beat made on an SB12 drum machine. So you put so it's done. You put it out. How much vinyl do you put out? Like how many do you press up? Well, so you press up five hundred. Well, first of all, you know we're learning. We know a lot about. We know what we think we know about music. We've been DJing. You know we know we know verses, choruses. You know enough. I know enough to you know we know how to. We, we, you know, we're learning at the same, same time. time right? We're learning production also and songwriting and putting, you know, arranging songs. Right. We had a pretty good idea how to do that, but you're still, it's all trial and error at the beginning. The first 12 inch you made sound like we didn't even know. <laughs> Remember Master? Oh, so also Mario Coldado, who became the Beastie Boys engineer and a huge engineer now, was, was our engineer. He was working with Matt at Power Tools. He was the sound guy. So he helped us put a little home studio together at Matt's apartment in Santa Monica. Uh-huh. So Mario was a big part of the production team that R- put right. out the first batch of records. So you put out you put out 500. How does that do? So we did a 12, we did an A side and a B side. So uh-huh. Chiba Chiba was on the flip. Right. And uh, it took a while to figure out how to mix and master. And then we went and uh, Rainbow Records down in Santa Monica. We made 500 copies. Got the record. So exciting. We had our label. We had Delicious Vinyl. Who came up with Who came up with Delicious Vinyl? My, Matt had seen a card in a shop, in a sandwich shop called Delicious Sandwiches. It wasn't. It was a bunch of. There was a bunch of business cards. I don't know where. Maybe he saw it at a copy mat or something. But it had a bunch of different businesses, and he saw this this business card for something called Delicious Sandwiches. It looked like a 40s or 50s kind of clip art kind of logo. Right. And he thought that would be a dope idea to take that concept, which it was, and that logo, and we flipped it. We put the, instead of calling it Delicious Sandwiches, Delicious Vinyl, tweaked the logo a little bit, and that's how Delicious Vinyl was born. Definitely an iconic logo. Yeah. Definitely. Hands down. So you do 500. So we made 500, you know, after... A couple different mastering attempts and, uh, and you know, because it sounded like shit the first time we put it out. We couldn't believe it. We went to the club and... Didn't sound right at all. It sounded terrible. Right. It was, it was humiliating. <laughs> but, That's uh, when you're like, I had nothing to do with that. But, so we made 500 records. First record out on Delicious Vinyl, Tone Loke. Wild, I mean, On Fire and... Chiba Chiba on the Black. I had some friends in New York, so I shipped some records to Rock and Soul, uh, a record store, influential record store where a lot of B-boys and guys who were in the game were getting new records. He took some. We just spread them out and just started kind of, you know, back in the day, it was about 12 inches. We got right. swap meets. My boy Orlando, who Orlando Aguian, who kind of was part oh, of the squad from the get-go. Absolutely, Orlando. He did take tone up to K-Day, and, you know, we just... We just out just of hustling. nowhere, we right. just showed up. Right. Like, we're here. Right. Check out our record. Tone, you know, Tone goes to K-Day. We meet M-Walk. M-Walk becomes Tone's DJ. DJ. Uh-huh. You know, this is when K-Day's breaking records. People right. People going up right. to K-Day right. with 12 inches right. and Mixmasters. So they liked our record and started there. And then then we started flow. And then our flow always went through K-Day, obviously. That's how we started breaking records. And people started noticing us. Young MC came right behind that. So, so what? So, at what point did you? So, 
you don't start to get like Tone Loke doesn't be, start to get really successful until he starts to get those songs from Young MC, right? No, not Young MC helped write some of the lyrics for those songs, right? But, so Tone's first 12 inch came out, um, and then uh, did we make a, a second sing, a 12 inch on Tone before? That that 12 inch went out for a while. When we released a Young MC 12 inch, I let him know. I don't know if you guys. That was the joint. I let him know. Young killed that. Yeah. So I met Young not that much later, and kind of similar story. He was going to school at SC. At SC. Totally different personality than Tone Loke. A super nerdy, like, <laughs> rhyme right machine. Right. And he'd like to tell you that he's the dopest MC ever. Right. Just constantly just hitting me with rhymes. Funny shit. Right. He was super clever. He reminded me of, like, you know, uh, you know, like, young, you know, Prince. Like, uh, not Prince, but uh, my boy Will Smith. Uh -huh. Oh, the um, Fresh, Fresh Prince. Prince of Bel-Air. Uh -huh. <laughs> Fresh Prince, you know, like, parents just don't understand type. Clever, funny, clean, um, kind of Dana Dane, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. Young was from New York. He's from A lot Queens. of folks don't realize that because he really broke, you know, yeah, folks from feel Queens, like he was from here, but he's but stepping from New York. super clever writer. Right. Just, just always, I'd call him up and he'd have rhymes on deck, like, listen to me. Like, so I had to get him in the studio and I let him know. I mean, this is a, you know, one of many, but... His first 12 inches, I let him know. Right. Which is a, I thought, a really good record. Yeah, thought, I did I too. We started finding it a little bit there. So we started having a stream of, like, who are these guys? Tone Loke, now Young MC, Delicious Vinyl. We started getting a little, you know, dap in LA, obviously through K Day. And then uh, Mellow Man Ace was probably the next 12 inch we put out. I don't know if you remember, well, obviously, you know who Mellow Man Ace was. Absolutely. So we started signing local talent. We start, I started signing things. So that when I you start was dope. signing these artists, what do you? What type of deals are you signing them to? Usually, 12 inch deal with like album options. Uh huh. You know, I have a lawyer who doesn't know much about the music business. I didn't know a lot about the business side. There's a lot of trial and error going on there, but 12 inch deals with album options. Right. Basically, is but what monetarily, what were you nothing. able to do? Nothing, right? Well, I mean, we, we, we could offer really, them. We could put you on wax, right? Right. Maybe a little something. Uh huh. And then if the twelve inch happens an album, then you know there was advances built into that. Okay. But really, for the twelve inches, it's really we're all putting our time in to try and make records. Uh huh. Um, you know, all that changed obviously. Right. You know, <laughs> in about a year's time. Right. But it's one big happy family at the beginning. Everyone's just trying to get of down. Then Def Jeff, you know, I find Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, he's hanging out with 783 and Ice-T's crew. He saw that maybe he wouldn't be getting some shine because there's so many rappers in this crew. And I get a demo tape from him. And it's got three dope self-produced jams. Nice. Dropping Rhymes on Drums wasn't one of wasn't them. Wasn't one of them, right? Not because what, what, what was, uh, uh, it was Give It Here. Give It Here, right. On The Real Tip. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, one. yeah. Jeff self, you know, produced these joints himself. And it's just an amazing lyricist. So we signed him immediately. Right. So it was like... Like within a six month period, maybe a year, I signed Tone, Young MC, Melamenes, Def Jeff. And um, so Chris Blackwell kind of gets, people start hearing about us now. So now labels are looking to get into rap a little bit at this time. Uh -huh. But no one on the West Coast right. had really started f***ing with rap. Like I said, I was at MCA. They didn't, you know, they weren't doing anything. Right. Warner wasn't, Warner had Ice-T, I think, you know, they were starting to dabble a little bit, but. They didn't really know, you know, the cats that are doing AR there are like old school. Yeah, they heads. were dinosaurs. Uh -huh. So they don't know nothing about that. It's all going down in New York, you know, all the dope going on in New York. But then, you know, there's Dre, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, Boys in the Hood, you know, starts to so open easy, it up a little bit. Easy comes onto the scene with, with Dre and NWA. They, we really started at the same time. It's kind of crazy. Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, there's a little, there's a little energy going on around what we're doing out here. But it's still 12 inch and it's still kind of underground. But you know we're developing stuff. Let's give it here. So Def Jeff, you know that we dropped that 12 inch. We dropped four or five 12 inches, and Chris Blackwell, who had fourth in Broadway, and he was going through something because Eric B and Rakim were tripping or something, and they they were looking to sign more hip hop because they they saw some things going on. Right. Chris Blackwell was always a little bit ahead of the game. So we had a really good meeting with him, and he offered us a production deal okay. through Island. Right. So that's the first time we got any kind of money. Any kind of money, right? And what was that? What was, was that like first? Twenty-five grand or something, maybe. Right. And that's for everything. For everything. <laughs> right. For everybody. He's got the whole label now. <laughs> right. Right. And we need that money to like market and make records anyway. So it was just like a way to get bigger distribution. Right. 
And uh, so that was all through 87, 88. And we're making, we're working on records with all these artists at this time. Just putting records in the bank, you know, kind of sharpening our skills and, you know, getting ready to put next 12-inch out, next 12-inch out. And long story short, we had this record. Matt had this idea, this the Wild Thing beat idea. And he gave me the tape, and I thought this was a really dope. It's kind of, it's tricky-ish, you know, like. Randy MC Randy MC just dropped It's Tricky. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so they're using, you know, you know how that was a kind of a little bit of a rock rap situation and matt flipped this van halen sample over that beat and it was just a beat at that time with a dope guitar sample and so we started thinking about it a little bit and i gave the tape to tone i had this idea to call the song wild thing after fab five freddy um from uh she's got a habit saying yo baby come to my house let's do the wild thing right i don't know if you guys remember that yeah that stuck in my head wow. I was, we were friends with fab five Crazy. freddy too yes he had come to L.A. He was friends with my partner, Matt, from the New York art scene because he used to hang out with John michelle Basquiat. Right. And, um, and Freddie was obviously a hip-hop pioneer back in the day. Yes. But him and Matt knew each other through art, but then he started seeing that we were doing stuff, so he came out, and originally Fab Five Freddy was going to be on Wild Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wild. For obvious reasons, <laughs> right. also. That would have made sense. But yeah. I, that was an idea, but then... I don't know. That didn't happen for me. Freddie really wasn't really down to be a rapper mm-hmm. at this time, even though he we have him on some on some records. Wow. Freddie did have a dope voice. Yes. But, yeah. And he was a b-boy yeah, through and through. Through and through. And just had there's just something really dope in New York yeah. and just very hip hop about Fab Five Freddie. Well, yeah. I mean, he was down in the or, you know at the beginning. So you know, we're graffiti art and hip hop and break dancing. The whole you know, Freddie was at the forefront of when it all collided in the early like eighty. Right. You know, eighty one. You know, you know, Debbie Harry talks about him. Absolutely. So um, I take the concept to tone, the wild thing concept. The, he, he starts writing um, and he has a, he writes a couple verses, but we kind of have a clear idea at a certain point. Like I, I told young MC, like, look, this is the hook. It's the hook is wild thing. So I, I need you to write stories about someone trying to get laid, basically. Uh-huh. And. He wrote four verses literally in probably an hour and came right back to me and started rhyming it to me over the phone. I said, just come come over the next day. He gave me the papers with, with the rhymes written on. It was hilarious. <laughs> Tone had I already written a, a couple verses too. So we took Tone in the studio and that's and that's how Wild Thing got made. Was he receptive to what young to what Young wrote? Uh no, probably not so much at first, but he had his own. He had a verse on there that he wrote. That he wrote. It, it would have never worked without Tone's style. Oh right. Tone made the records like Frank Sinatra. You know what I mean? Frank Sinatra didn't write all his songs. Right. He didn't write any. Tone wrote most of his songs. Right. He wrote portions of a couple of these pop crossover songs, but they don't happen without his presence. Vocals. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, Tone is cool as shit. Right. And unbelievable on the mic. Yeah. So he delivered these stories like no other, and you know. The rest is history, how this thing jumped off. When do you realize how big Wild Thing was? Well, the weird thing about Wild Thing is it actually broke on K-Rock. You know, the, that really? rock, could, you know? The rock station. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Because, I mean, you hear the song, it wasn't, I mean, it's it wasn't was the big. typical hip-hop. Were, it, yeah. I couldn't really put this on K-Day. K-Day. Right. No. Right. Um, and pop radio you know, we they were nobody at that time, so they don't know what time it is. Right. K-Rock broke this thing in L.A. Wow. And then everybody kind of jumped on it from there. And all of a sudden, this guy that no one's ever heard of has got a record that's playing all over the place. Tone Lock. They used to call him Tone Lock. <laughs> <laughs> was this Tone Lock? Right. L-O-C. L-O-C. Tone, right. Was a, you know, Tone was a real... Right. Right. Real he was in the streets. Real, yeah. Real yeah. He was in the streets. Yeah. Real. Right. He was a no fake gangster. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, he was and no one really, I mean, you know, we we had a couple of big crossover songs like this, so no one ever really understood. Tone was, was in it. Tone could be difficult. Right, right. At times, you know? Tone was the sweetest guy in the world one day, and the next day, he was a loped out bad boy. Right. <laughs> Never really sure who you were getting with him. <laughs> But if he smoked weed in the studio, he was chill. cool. He was good. And he had a crew with him all the time. He had a lot of homies. And, you know, he was active. Yeah, and th- that house that he had forever, which was, was that on Olympic? That was, that was, that that was, that was, that was house. his mom's house. Right. But, it was, I, but then it became his house. And I'm talking, it was cars and people there became, all the time. It became a fortress. Right. 
<laughs> so tone blows up. How much? So Wild Thing just goes crazy. Right. How much? Out of no, we don't have an album done. This is like, you know, this is. So at this point, we have a we have a production deal with Island. So the record starts to get played, and now all of a sudden, I got something that's got a little muscle behind it. Right. We couldn't have blown it up without, you know, some radio. Like, they knew that game, right? We know nothing about how to get records played on the radio. Right. We get a record on K-Day. Yeah. Mix. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, we got this runaway record that's going berserk. And, you know, they start running with it, and all these big stations start playing it. And it didn't really sound like anything on the radio at the time. You know, this... You gotta remember '88 or eight, whenever the song came on. It was like it didn't sound sound like, like anything right. else, right? And you got this cool dude on it, and it's like he's talking about getting laid, and it's funny and it's clever, and it's got a little bit of everything. Um, I got M Watch scratching in the hook, so so then kind of just blew up from there. We shot a video with Tamara Davis, who started, who did all our early videos, who went on to have a. You know, Half baked and made a lot of films, and a lot of influential videos. Married Mike D, the Beastie Boys, but right. she made the Wild Thing video for four hundred bucks. What? She was, wow! And the video immediately went onto MTV, MTV, right? And then everywhere else, yeah. It's like this black and white kind yeah. of. Yeah, we ripped off the Robert Palmer addicted to love yeah. concept, right? Put Tone in the middle of these hot <laughs> white chicks right. and Spanish <laughs> chicks. So Tone was like, "What the." F- you guys got me doing. Like, I gotta give it to Tone. He really he just he took a with flyer. It. Yeah, but we couldn't have done that with anybody else because Tone was so cool, and we we're doing something that's a little out of pocket for you know, especially, especially a like him. where he's from. Yeah, yeah. Really, right, yeah. right. And I remember in the video, I tried to get Tone to wear a suit like Robert Palmer did with all those chicks around he, him. He wasn't And he was not having it. Right. And I started to like push and I was like, you know what? He, I got him here you to do what? this. For like, I, I'm, you know, I already I'm got him out. doing this. Right. And he wore a delicious vinyl t-shirt. I remember that. And he was, you know, he's like getting up on these chicks, delivering like no other. Right. We didn't know he had that kind of charisma. When the cameras hit Tone, he was unbelievable. Super charismatic. You know, you know, the camera loved him. He was just that dude. You know, he's just that cool dude. Yeah. This unbelievable voice. So he, you know, he delivered like no other. And Wild Thing blew up. The single just went crazy. We had no album. We sold 3 million 12 inches. Wow. Just like unheard of. It was so like what, the most, it was like it sold more 12 inches than We Are the World. Right. It, you know, it became that. It was like some weird thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. what the f? When, when, I'm in when, Tower Records on Sunset all of a sudden. I'm seeing this cr- this crazy 12 inch that we put out just yeah. blowing out. It was when, nuts. When, when does money start coming in from that? Not when do you start saying you don't see that for a while? No. Chris Blackwell had been in the game a long time. So. You know, we 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 took a we took a beating on that first go right, <laughs> like everybody does. Right, right. But we didn't have an album either. Like you don't want to sell that many. 12 See, right, because then it'll hurt the album. Right. Yeah. So it took us. We had to you know make a record now. Like we we were good at making a couple singles. Now we got to make a whole album. Right. I mean, we were just hunkered down, and uh, we needed a follow up to Wild Thing because by the time our album was ready Wild Thing had been out for five or six months uh-huh. and that's an eternity back then right and uh, we got Funky Cole Funky Medina Funky Cole Medina so Funky Cole Medina comes out so and then we released the album like right at that time that was like 89 How did the album go gold or plat- how the album three uh, times yeah wow not right away but yeah the album got into the millions got into the millions quick. well yeah um in a minute, record sales are going crazy. So, Tone sold three million. MC Hammer sold twelve million or more, or something on right. one single. Yeah, right. Which was like a year later. Like the whole market just blew just up. Just changed. Everyone. Yeah. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, so Tone goes on tour. All of a sudden, who is he no- torn with? He went on this MTV tour with Paul Abdul and fucking a bunch of this big state, big wow. arena tour. So now, how? Tone was never really performed, right? And you just throw you know him I mean? into, you throw him in so with the piranhas. Right. He did a few club dates, you know, with his homies, you know, right. like getting crazy, you know, not really. Mwak was his DJ, but he never really performed a lot. Next thing you know, he's on stages doing arenas. Did the form, right? Right. You know? wow. We all got on stage with him at the form. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, the whole was, I mean, you know, I'm I'm like, you know, I'm a basketball guy. I've been going to Laker games my whole life. So you're like, yo, I'm at the forum. I'm at the forum. <laughs> my stage. artist is headlining and we get on stage with them and like we're dancing around at the end, like, you know, with 
you know, 10,000 people there. That was pretty nuts. How much time from that does Young come and blow up? So Young's right behind him. So Young, we put out a 12-inch on Young. We put out um, two 12-inches on Young. Now Tone's blowing up, and Funky Cole Medina drops, and we're working on Young's album, and we got Bust to Move in the Chamber. Wow. So Young goes on to win a Grammy. So, you know, so Young, so Bust to Move... You know, it's take two. It just happened maybe six months earlier. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you can hear a little. You, you can know, hear a little bit of that. Everybody's influencing everybody <laughs> at this point, right? You can hear a little bit of it takes two in that. It takes two. Absolutely. And yes. so we brought our own singer in to sing. And, you know, Tone, I mean, Young delivered, you know, this amazing vocal performance. Bust a move. So now you have, you come in. With so much of a crossover appeal, and then from a record company standpoint, because now you know you're making noise monetarily, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna happen. But how do other labels, other rappers start to look at Delicious? Do they feel you guys are watering down the culture? Or are they happy like that you guys have now opened the door and you've crossed over and maybe made it easier and more acceptable for other artists? I mean, I never felt, I thought, you know, at that point, rap is getting bigger. So we're kind of part of this expansion, I think, of what's happening. Hip-hop is, Tone was on the cover of Newsweek. Um, Rap isn't really, you know, Run DMC obviously started making, putting rap on the map as far as a big cultural, cross-cultural thing, I think. It starts there. Beastie Boys. Um, So it's starting to get big, obviously. But... I don't know, just a few other records, you know, it's tricky, kind of blew things up, you know, and then it just gets big. It gets, and there's, there's, so they're having crossover hits too. I mean, it's tricky was, I mean, you got New York MCs, it, yeah, but it's still. but it's not. I mean, Bust a Move it, is pretty funky though still, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really front on it. It's, 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 it's crossover, but it's kind of dope. I mean, when you start, like when you start winning a and Grammy of, and, 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 and you start getting accolades Outside of the hip hop community, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like yeah. you know, some of the the, the I, mean, I think Tone felt some pressure, okay, probably just because of, Tone's a gangster. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, and he's a cool dude, and he's he's like Mr. Wild Thing, right? Mr. Funky Cole Medina, <laughs> right, right. So it kind of played against who he was. Who he was, but Tone could party and have fun like nobody's business, right? So Tone loved his success, and he loved going out and touring and. Being that guy, mm-hmm. so I don't know, man. I, I don't. I didn't really feel that. Yeah. And if you listen to their albums, I don't know. A lot of people didn't because they couldn't get past the hits. But you know, those were straight hip hop records. And definitely, you know? Young Young has some straight. Yeah. I mean, he had songs with no hook where he's no. just spitting. Right. And you know, we're sampling a lot of ill like jazz records, and you know, we're we're trying to, you know, we're paying attention. Are you to Molly clearing Ball any of those stuff. samples at the time? Some of them. So, Tom blows up, Young MC blows up. And we saw, you know, Def Jeff. So you have Jeff. Jeff's got, you know, Jeff's doing his thing. Dropping Rhymes on Drums was a pretty big record. Love that. A lot of respect there. Um, So that was kind of our first wave, you know. Um... We're still, you know, Melaman Ace. I, I was working with him. Then I, I made a deal with him and put him on Capitol Records because there was a dude there that wanted him badly, and they wanted to put this whole big campaign behind him. So we did like a joint deal with oh, Capitol. Oh, so I didn't realize that. Okay. So when he put out Mentorosa, that was on Capitol. Yeah, okay. but, but he made but, that whole record in our studio okay. with with Tony G, and you know, and we worked on some of his record as well. Um, we just kept going. So, you know, it's on. Now we're in the game. Right, for real. And now it's on. Right. And it's, you know, I got a label. I got artists, you know, Body and Soul I had signed. Shout out um, to Dean and Rose. Yes. And Jeff was producing them. Right. So we dropped Young's album. You know, we dropped Def Jeff's first album. Um, so now money's coming in. There's some money there's coming some in. Money yeah, there's com- some money coming, coming in. in. Yeah, there's some money coming in. Um, Where I does... I mean, most of it, you know, because this is... It's going back into, you know. It's going right back into the creating we're and developing, all that. You know, we're making videos now, you know. 
We didn't get crazy loot um, because our deal, our first deal was terrible. Yeah. So I had to kind of try and figure out now how to like put on my record label hat and get a good lawyer. Because my first lawyer was not, uh, wasn't capable. He was just getting destroyed by these lawyers in the business that really knew what was up. <laughs> right. Chris Blackwell's lawyer was a beast. So, you know, we're very green and naive. So yeah. we just signed Just signed and stuff. Right. Know. So we had, before I dropped Young MC's album, we had to do a little renegotiation. Right. And, uh, you know, so we can compete. And uh, the only problem we had is, you know, Island and 4th and Broadway was in New York and we're an L.A. label. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of back and forth going on. Now, you know, there's a lot to get done because, you know, it's a competition. You right. The promotion and the marketing and... You know, that's Steve Rifkin was, you know, Steve Rifkin came and worked for me at the very beginning. He he was just some kid from New York that read about, read about Delicious Vinyl in some trade magazine, showed up on my door one day and said, wow. let me call radio stations for you because his dad was wow. in the business. I go, okay, I don't know nothing about that. Right, right. He had a Rolodex with a bunch of, you know, because there was this whole game I didn't know about juicing records through retail reports and, you know, I didn't know anything about that, but Rifkin knew all about that. Yeah. Because his dad was a promotion man in the business, so he was calling record. He was calling um, stores and trying to get reports. This is a whole different time when to get your record charted. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Paul Stewart um, came in at that point, and he was working in the marketing. You know, helping doing street marketing. I already had Orlando Agui in there. Um, this guy Wendell Green, just some kid that we met that we put on that helped do um, promotion. And so we had a few bodies in there. And, uh, you know, I'm in the studio with Matt all day trying to make records, signing artists, just trying to make it happen. It's a, you know, it's just... Going. It sounds like a crazy time. So now we're... In retrospect. The brand new heavies. So the heavies came... Not that later, not much, much Which later. Which I have to say, brand new heavies, you know, look at, but they opened the door for the Roots. Oh, no doubt. Oh, roots open for them. So the heavies I got, they had a, some, uh, one of my marketing guys, this um, guy Paul Moshe brought me an album, uh, an import of the brand new heavies, group the brand new heavies. Um, it's mostly instrumentals. It's on record already. It's on wax. It's on this acid jazz label. This is before I put Indy in it. Never Stop is on the record, but a different girl is singing it. They have four vocal tracks on this album, but that girl's no longer in the group apparently. And so... They have no deal in America, and they're just this underground. There's this whole underground live soul thing going on in England. And, you know, I'm a soul head anyways. Right, right. Loose ends and all that is my right. shit. Right. All that cool soul funk is going on in England. Everyone's using drum machines and programming. R&B had gotten very programmed mm. in the 80s, you know? And no live music wasn't really happening, you know? There wasn't live bands playing as much as, you know... Great live musicians were programming everything. Right. Kashif, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, all those guys yeah. were my idols. You know, it's all programmed at this point. This is like this group playing live, kind of with a lot of James Brown influence. They were just dope. As Every, everything they did sounded like a breakbeat to me. So I got, I got to get these guys. I call them up and I made a deal with them and signed them to America and Canada. We basically took over their career. I, their singer wasn't even in the group anymore, and I was doing a solo record with India wow. at the time. So you just like and I go, India, listen to this. You, you got to get on this record. And I sent her to England to record the vocals that. Oh, were you sent her there. Yeah, to record the four so vocal songs that were on the album. One of them was "Never Stop." Wow. Stay this way. Mm. Um, Ride in the sky. I don't know if you guys know that track off the first album. There was one new one. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I will. So she went in there and recut the four vocal songs and we repackaged the record and put out the album Brand New Heavies wow that's We're amazing featuring India Davenport <laughs> did you feel uh, that folks were going to be receptive to it oh yeah the record you was know. just dope yeah. no absolutely and, you know, but, they but were at that time dope. it was so different like you yeah. didn't like you said you didn't hear that then yeah but I just knew you know this is like some James Brown like OG 70s kind of funk feel and these cats can really play um, and with a dope singer like India, I mean, how could you not go crazy? Um, I mean, it was just undeniable to me. And then we all start doing remixes and throwing rappers on these. Right. Remixes. So then Far Side. 
That was later, but yeah. But did Farside do a? Did they? They did a remix. So the second, the second Soulflower maybe right. Well, the second brand new heavy. After the first brand new heavy record came out, we made a rap brand new heavies record called right. Heavy Rhyme Experience. Exactly. Because rappers, when the heavies played, rappers kept jumping up on stage in New York, all over Q-Tip. Because it was like break beats. Right. Uh-huh. So they're all freestyling over their beats and they're playing. So we got the idea we should make a live record with all our favorite MCs. This is like 91. And all our, most of our favorite MCs are in New York. So, you know, we get Keith from Gangstar. We get Black Sheep, Cool G Rap. Um, Master Ace. This is where I like get to meet a lot of these cats from New York that I'm really liking, and now they know the label anyway. So right. we kind of through the brand new heavies. We I start making, we just put a wish list together of the dopest MCs. We want everybody wanted to be on the record because the heavies were hot. Right. People in New York knew about them because they were doing shows in New York and guys were jumping on stage. And so we made heavy rhyme experience. So we so the heavies would give me all these tracks, and we'd get all these MCs to bust on the track. Large Professor, Main Source was on it. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that record. Oh, yes, they were. You know the record, right? I forgot heavy about rhymes. that. I forgot about you that. Have it? Main, Main Source was rhyme? on that joint. You got Heavy Rhyme? That's, I is, totally forgot on. about them being on that record. You are so right. So that was the second brand new Heavy's record, but it wasn't with Indie. It was just with all these dope uh, MCs. MCs, right. You should, if you had the Cool G Rap... Uh, Death Threat. That's a dope track on there. Ace goes crazy on there. I mean, Pooba, Grand Pooba's on that record. Yeah. Dope record. No? So from Delicious Vinyl, we have Delicious Pizza. <laughs> yes, sir. And let me tell you, side. Delicious Pizza is bomb. Is off the hook. It's delicious. <laughs> it is delicious, just like the, its name. So now, Delicious Pizza. When did that open? Three years ago. It opened three years ago. And let me tell you, delicious. The pizza's no punk. Like, <laughs> it has a New York vibe to it. The, Thanks, man. Is it a pizza parlor? Is it a pizza shop? What, what, what do we call the... What do we call <laughs> it's, the... It's a pizza... A pizza pizzeria. Spot. A pizzeria. <laughs> the on. idea really was to kind of... Pay homage to the golden era, which was my favorite era of hip hop, and which was a big era for the label, obviously. And use the 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 label's history and the history of everything from that era as kind of a musical palette, and flip the logo because it was always the logo's very set up to do something like that. Right. Yeah. So I thought it would be fun to do something with food and you know merge the food and music. And my partners. Uh, Fred Sutherland, who did, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Fred 62, which is a diner on, in Los Feliz, 24-hour diner, really dope. He kind of knew the food game, and we had had this idea, let's let's flip the logo, and, and instead of delicious vinyl, let's do pizza. His his uh, son, Travis, is a dope baker, chemist, mad scientist baker, <laughs> who came up with this incredible pizza recipe. And I go, look, if we're doing pizza, we got to kill the game. I mean, the pizza's got to be dope, or the whole thing's for not. I can bring the music vibe and we can do this cool music thing, but the pizza's got to be great or this thing's not going to work. So the idea was like good food, good music from a period of time we can all relate to and just see, you know, see where we can go with that. Man, the pizza's so dope. And and yeah. the vibe of it, it kind of reminds you of like, remember Sal's Pizza and Do the Right Thing? I was about right? to say, when yes. I went to this spot, so it kind of has people on the wall. No, it's like that. Yeah. Right. He, get, he, got, he, got, black, black, he <laughs> got black people on the wall. I don't have to move him. <laughs> So he has. I got my Jewish. I got my Jewish. Uh, he has all these iconic pictures of you know artists that were on Delicious Vinyl throughout the um, the location. Then there's um, he has a live DJ booth. So there's nice. a DJ booth that you can actually see from the street, just like when you saw Samuel Jackson right. as the DJ. It's just like that. Super cool. And let me tell you, they got these cinnamon, what's some cinnamon rolls and cinnamon yeah, yeah, buns? Yeah, man. I'll slap the hell out of you. <laughs> <laughs> make you slap your mom. Yeah, we make it all there, too. Like cheesecake, but the pizza's the bomb. Pizza is. is the, the bomb. Pizza is the bomb. Yes. And Real he talk. came bearing gifts this morning. Yes. He brought us to eat. Got to do with that. So, but the idea is to bring, you know, music and food together and just make it a place for families. It's a great know, mix. A good time. All the homies come through. We do, we do events there all the time with labels. With new artists, we have a little space for people to, you know, they can do little. Yeah, we've done events. last summer. We did something like once, once uh, 
think every other weekend or something yeah, like that yes. we did. We had one of our anniversary parties there. Yeah, no, dope. Super dope spot. And now spot. on Sunset, we got the hookup. So now you have another location yeah. on Sunset. Yeah, right where our office has been forever, right between Highland and Coanga. You know, oh, nice. Right here. The you office used to be where I haven't, I, I haven't been there yet. Yes. So is, is the is it a walk up or is the it's idea to say it's just a walk up? Yeah, but we, we just expanded a little bit. So now we got like an event space there as well. Now so, you know we've been doing different. Like I did a Dilla Donuts pop up a couple weeks ago. Yes, yeah, so I, I think Smooth that, yeah, D was, was there. there. Yeah. Anything about donuts? Mm, yeah. I'd rather <laughs> Smooth D would be there. And so Repmatic DJed, and you know we did that block party down on Adams. Now. Did so huge block party two weeks ago with uh, uh, Talib Kweli, yep. Dougie Fresh, and then a bunch of just. Up and coming artists had an opportunity to perform. Yeah. Like maybe like five thousand people. Then they blocked off the street, and it was dope, something beautiful. that he's thinking about doing yearly, like a yearly type yeah, of music like festival, an annual nice. Labor Day West yeah. Adams block party. And what's so cool about that. that part of Adams where he's, it's like kind of eclectic? Like you can just get different people that right. come out. Right. right. Well, that whole neighborhood is, it is like it's a great yes eclectic yeah, neighborhood. It really is. Mm-hmm. And we've been there for Stores. three years now. Um, and you know, we just wanted to create a great vibe there. Like, you know, good, a good pizza joint in the neighborhood is always a good way to start. And then with the, you know, with the music and, uh, I just felt like now let's just bring the whole block out. So we did this block party and it was a beautiful thing. Everybody so from the neighborhood circle. came out. Absolutely. People, Definitely people did just that. loved it. Definitely. It was, it was, it was really cool. People were vending. All the small businesses in the area were vending. We had some nice. food trucks. We had the pizza so joint dope. going. So Everybody dope. from West Adams was just in the street having a great time. I wanted to go so bad, but I had some had something else to do. Um, but next year, I got to be involved next year. Like I have to. For sure. Put your bed I don't, in. I'm there. Somehow we're gonna <laughs> DJ. Let's do a live I, show. I'll help get. I'll help get artists. Like yeah. it would look so cool. Yes. And I, I, we had we had in the DJ booth. We had a, a all day programming going on, and then we had the stage going with the mm. live acts. So we we had it. There's cool. gonna be an issue in if we're tandem. not part of it next year. Yeah, we have an AM caffeine live <laughs> show. We're, we're doing, we're, we are doing That's AM right. caffeine live next year. Right. There it is. There it is. Regardless Speaking of if he's, into existence, no, it's happening. Right, I don't yeah. care if he said yes or no. We will we will be there. We will crash your party. We will crash the damn party. Rumor has it we might get Chaka to come tomorrow. Next oh. Chaka wants to bust. She's wow. friends of a friend. So oh, wow. It could, be, wow. it could be part of a, a mix okay. of talent. Wow. You just have to wait to find out. But I, it's gonna be I need dope. to see. That's what I'm talking about. I want about. the whole Juice crew to come. Like, oh, I like that. I I Big Daddy that. Kane is my favorite of all time. Let's get Craig G out there. Cool and, G rap. Cool G rap and, like and Shan. And Ace. And, and Ace. Oh, wow! Molly, Molly, come! I gotta be. I gotta be part of it. I gotta be part of it. Maybe let's do like maybe EPMD might be fine. Oh, Eric yeah. B and Rock Camp. We'll see. We had Eric it's B. On. We had Eric B on the we show two, like two months ago. Yeah, yep. I got that direct line. Like Man, that was <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Eric B. as president was a big influence. That was a monumental yes in my life for sure. AM Caffeine Show, wow. uh, my man Mike Ross, man, thanks so much. Like I said, I've been trying to have this history lesson for the past, so you know, amazing. and every time I see Mike and yeah, I go, through. but we talk and, and he's telling me just all these just dope ass stories right. of folks that I was a fan of, but I now know and I'm cool with, but you... I'm always going to be a fan, so I want to yes. hear that stuff. And he's just like, oh, man, you don't even know what happened with that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I not any stories yet. <laughs> AM Caffey. AM Caffey Show, my man, Mike Ross. Man, check out, if you're in the L.A. area, you have to go Delicious Pizza. Mike, yes. what's the address again? Um, It's 6601 Sunset, out here on Sunset. And then uh, on West Adams, 5419 West Adams. 54 West 19, the coolest, coolest come spot. Through. Come through. The come pizza through. is fantastic. Check us out on uh, Instagram, uh, Delicious Pizza HQ. Yes. Delicious go. Pizza HQ and Delicious Vinyl. That's what it is. And you know what? I think they have like grape soda. Like, the, no, like they, no, they like got cane sugar. They got black people stuff over there. There it is. <laughs> they got black people stuff. <laughs> AM Caffeine Show. Nice. Thanks to Mike Ross. Please, please, please go Instagram right now. Delicious Pizza HQ. Anytime, anytime, at anytime. Delicious Vinyl. Oh um, 
doing great things and still um, contributing to the culture that they help build. Thank you so much for everything that you've done, Mike, and continue to do. Thanks for having me. AM Caffeine Show. You guys enjoy your Wednesday, man. Such a dope interview, my man, Mike Ross. Uh, You guys enjoy your day. We have out. We'll see you on Friday. Um, Oh, let me shout out our sponsors. sponsors. I almost forgot them. Can't Uh, let them wait this week. Don't let them wait. Okay, so shout out to LA Gear. LA Gear. Gear. LA Gear.com and also to uh, CapitalGains.com and Spelled capital G A I N S company C O dot com. The dopest hats in the building, and once again, delicious vinyl. Can we get a delicious vinyl capital games collab? Maybe, hey, don't start party. Hey, hey, don't start none. Don't start none. It won't be, it won't be none if you don't start none. AM caffeine show. You guys enjoy your day. We up out of here. Peace.